And welcome to Real Talk Sports today. This is your host, Rico, and uh, we're back for a special show today. Um, Well, every show is actually special, but the first thing I want to start off with is just, um, you know, basically the news that's pretty much saddened, I think, everybody out there that is a huge basketball fan, a huge sports fan, a huge Los Angeles Lakers fan, and that is the passing of the, the, the great Kobe Bryant. And <clears throat> I'm not really a Lakers fan, but I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, and I'm a fan of greatness. And being a Chicago Bulls fan, I was a fan of Michael Jordan. So I've obviously got a chance to see, in my opinion, I think one of the best basketball players to ever play. Now, that's no disrespect to all the greats, the Jerry West, the Will Chamberlains, Dr. J's. I don't want to disrespect any of those guys. You know, Shaq. I just think that Michael Jordan, what he brought to the table, how he prepared, how he overcame challenges, how he was an incredible shot maker, how he won in every finals appearance. To me, I think that that was just greatness. That was just truly greatness. And I just had a discussion with um, a family member about this last night. And everybody that's come into the league is compared to Michael Jordan or one of the greats. But mainly it comes down to Michael Jordan. And whenever, you know, you know, basketball wants to get an opinion about who is the great or who who is you, they always go to Michael Jordan. And to me, I, I know that you have LeBron who's still currently playing. Um, and I know you have Kobe who's obviously done. Um, you know, I think about people like Penny Hardaway, uh, Grant Hill, um, Harold Miner, um, anybody that's come into the league that showed some promise to where they could be the next big thing always got compared to Michael Jordan. And I think that Kobe Bryant was the, the most comparable to Michael Jordan than any player that has been named after him and no disrespect to LeBron and the others. But let me go through it like this. You know, I think when you look at Kobe, you look at Mike, they had the same coach. With those same coaches, they were able to win. Neither one of them were able to win without Phil Jackson and without understanding the mind. Both players bumped heads with teammates. You know, you look at Michael Jordan and the famous story about him punching Steve Kerr in the face, which is very true. Um, And then you look at Kobe and his spats that he's had with Shaquille O'Neal. Those were very real. And he's also had spats with other players on the team as well. You know, that's very real. And those two things right there are similarities when it came to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And the next thing is their work ethic. You know, they say Michael and his work ethic is just incredible. You know, I've, I remember a story that was told to me once about Michael Jordan. And I think he was pretty much in a practice session and he was playing with pretty much the starters. And they were, they were pretty much 
they were they were kicking the practice squad's ass <laughs> to say the least that day. And Phil Jackson blows the whistle, okay? And I think the game maybe was to like 10 or something like that. And I think Mike and those guys had this team down 7-1 or 8-1 or something like that as the story goes. And he says, okay, you know, we're playing so you can go ahead and, and leave practice early or something like that. And I guess Mike, he really wanted to, to flee practice that day or do some other stuff, whatever. And so he blows the whistle and has Michael Jordan go over to the, the other side. And Michael was pissed. <laughs> He's pissed. So he, he starts cussing. He's storming around. He gets ready to exit the facility. And everybody's just standing still at this point because he's, he's, he's literally just going on a rampage. He goes to the door. He stops. And this just speaks to how, how incredible Michael is. And, and I'm going to talk about how he goes into Kobe. Turns back around and says, I know what's going on here. I know what's going on. He's just challenging me. Goes over to the practice squad. As the story goes, they won the game. They won the game by like something like it was either 10-7 or you know 8-7 or whatever the case may be. That team that he was on did not score again. He willed that team to a win, <laughs> walked off the practice court, and said, You guys have a nice day. That kind of mentality and that will to win is something that a guy like Kobe has. I remember a story from Bill Walton, and he talks about <clears throat> he talks about a situation where, you know, Kobe, he comes to practice and he says, you know what, I'm going to beat Kobe to, to the practice facility today. Right. And so I think, you know, practice is at, you know, maybe six or something like that in the morning or whatever. And I, I guess, you know, Coach Walden felt like he was going to be able to, to, to uh, Luke Walden, excuse me, was going to beat Kobe to the gym that day. And, you know, he comes in <laughs> and it's early or something like that, an hour or something early. And he sees that, you know, Kobe is, is either getting some treatment done or something like that or, or whatever. And he's saying, you know, I, I finally, I'm finally here at the time you're here or whatever the case may be, or I'm, I beat you here. And Kobe was like, you know, I've already been here. I've been working. I've already been working. And that's the kind of mentality that separated him from the greats and, you know, him from everybody else that he played with. The fact that he's willing to do the extra things that other players were not, that's why Kobe Bryant was Kobe Bryant. And <clears throat> you look at his ability to make shots in the clutch. Same as Michael. I mean, they they lived and they really they they lived for those moments to 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 win, to compete, to to, to be the person that was willing to face the fate of a missed jump shot, right? I remember talking to somebody one time and it was like, if they shoot it and they make it, either way, they're okay with it. You know, if they make or miss, either way, they're okay. 
I'm reminded of Michael Jordan's commercial where he says, you know, I've taken so many shots and I've missed, you know, I've lost so many games and I've kept going. And he says, you know, I've felt over and over and over in my career. And that is why I succeed. There was a time when Kobe shot up an air ball in a playoff game. And I can remember him talking to Ahmad Rashad and literally holding back tears in his eyes in Utah because he didn't have the legs to make the shot. And he just told himself that that would never happen again. And it was something in his eyes. It was something in his voice in that conviction that he went and put himself into the best shape that he possibly could. And that's when he started to elevate and take himself to to levels that most people had never seen before. I mean, you look at his last game when he scored, you know, 60 points or something like that. Here's a guy that's been in the league since he was 17 years old. Now, you know, he's going on, he's what, 30, 35 at the time or 36 or whatever the case may be, which is dog years in the NBA. Didn't didn't come out of the game, really. And I mean, you think about the exceptional mental and physical toughness that that takes to score like that at that high a level at that age. That is kind of what Kobe is all about, man. And to me, I think it's just the the it's the aura that he kind of has around him, much like Michael Jordan. Both have been in dunk contests. Both have won dunk contests. That was another thing. Both were good at that. You know, each one of them, MVPs in All-Star Weekend. Um, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from the greats. You know, obviously, Bron and Kevin Durant and all these guys have been MVPs. But it's the way that they were MVPs, you know. It's the way that they were MVPs. And to me, both compare because both were able to take players right players that maybe weren't necessarily the greatest players on any other roster but they were players that they essentially they they took whatever skill set that they had and made it into a championship caliber you know you know you look at a guy like Derek Fisher you look at a guy like Ron Harper you look at a guy like Rick Fox uh Glenn Rice uh you know and Jordan's um in Jordan's comparison, Bill Cockwright, Steve Kerr, um, Hodges, uh, John Paxson, Scottie Pippen, um, you know, Lamar Odom, Paul Casal. Yes, they're terrific players, but Kobe is able to, and so is Mike, transmute certain mental energy and, and a physicality to each one of his teammates in which they were able to respond at a championship level when needed. Take nothing away from Phil Jackson, too, as well, but let's make it clear that the players are the ones on the court and they're the ones that are responsible for the win or the loss, one way or the other. I've never seen two players be able to do that. No disrespect to the to the guys who have been championship here of the late, champions of late, you know, like Golden State. <clears throat> What they're able to do, that was a complete synergy. You know, complete synergy 
from one all the way down to the end of the bench, you know, with Golden State. But when you look at Kobe, you look at Jordan, those were two individual pieces, okay? It's not like it was Klay Thompson, it wasn't um, Steph Curry, Draymond, and, and others. Like, these were two players. Yes, they both had somebody else great, but they made a lot of guys who were just average players really really good and they were able to win multiple championships you know in fact Kobe I believe is just one off of Michael Jordan that's something that Grant Hill can't say he's done he's done that's something LeBron can't say he's done that's something that Penny Hardaway can't say he's done and so that's why I'm talking about in comparisons there both were able to to do those things you look at the side ventures, right? I think Michael Jordan is successful now as an owner. I know that they're not winning as many games as he would like. He's successful as a Nike representative, still has his camps and things. Um, and, and in a lot of ways too, I think Kobe might've been even more successful. He's won, um, he's won an award for a movie. He's been an author. He's a coach or was a coach. And he was a great ambassador for, for Nike. And so, you know, to me, I think that Kobe is just the, to me, he was just the next thing to Michael Jordan. And I don't care what anybody else says. And I just feel very sad in here. You know, there's so many times I saw him play on TNT and he's just excellent. He was excellent throughout the years. I mean, I've never seen anybody with such great footwork. Uh, the ability to will a, will a team to a win, a guy who snapped an Achilles and been able to walk off, a guy who's had a torn shoulder, played through that, a broken pinky. I mean, he's just, he's amazing at what he was able to do and incredible the way he was able to mentally conquer a game. And so very sad in here um, as somebody that has watched sports and to the Bryant family and also to you know, the people who support him and the entire NBA. And as, you know, sports fans here, very, very deeply saddened. And prayers certainly go out to Kobe and his and, uh, you know, just the NBA family, man, because he's really helped the brand of the NBA, you know, for, for years here. And to see an icon and a legend go like this is just, it's incredible. And so, you know... I don't know what else to say, folks, but just, you know, relish what you have and try to make the best of it. And, uh, you know, just to say that we're deeply saddened there. So, you know, with that being said, I wanted to spend the first portion of the show just talking about Kobe, his legacy, and, you know, kind of what he means to us as sports fans. Um, you know, again, his work ethic, you know, his composure, his ability to handle himself through losses um, and the wins or losses, I think really a lot of us can gravitate towards Kobe, you know, it, whether it's just being a great father, a great mother, a great basketball player, um, you know, even a fan, really. You know, I, I, I think his show that he had out last year was incredible detail. When you listen to what goes on in his mind through a basketball game, it's incredible. 
It's incredible when you think about the the amount of detail that he knows and what he uses on a day to day basis. You know, to to compete at that level and then also to to coach it. I mean, he had a gift, a gift that I think we're solely, solely going to miss as sports fans. So, you know, again, you know, I hope um, rest in peace there. And I just want to thank Kobe, man, for everything that he was able to do and accomplish. And, you know, thank him for all the memories and everything like that. So, you know, with that being said, let us move forward here. And let us actually take a look at uh, the NBA as a whole. Um, I thought we would kind of shift and actually go into the standings here. And I know we're <clears throat> pretty much getting ready to head into uh, what we call All-Star Weekend. So briefly, I'm going to go through, you know, the one through eight here with what we have in the Eastern Conference. And then we'll go one through eight through the West here. I know we talked a little bit about that here in the early shows, but we'll shift and now we'll talk about where we are right now. So in the Eastern Conference, it doesn't shock me that Milwaukee is number one. Um, We know Giannis was going to be a factor. We knew Giannis, essentially, he's an MVP candidate, had won the MVP. And, you know, Milwaukee just fell short. And I think it was mainly because he just wasn't able to make outside jump shots. There's been vast improvements here with Giannis. And I also like, too, what Coach Busenheiser, <laughs> Busenheiser, excuse me, to get that out, has done as far as putting the necessary pieces around Giannis. And so, again, when I look at this roster here, I really truly believe that, you know, if they're going to take that next step, the one guy for me that's going to have to take off is going to be Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe has been a no-show, really, basically in their playoffs stints here, you know, since he's been in Milwaukee. You know, I know that he got played outplayed by uh, Terry Rozier um, it, when Boston was hot. And then he's also tend to, he tends to, to, to really be ghost or gone when it comes down to, when it comes down to crunch time. And if Giannis is going to be effective, he's going to have to have the one-two punch. And it starts with good guard play from Eric Bledsoe. I certainly think when he's on, a lot of people call him like the mini Bron. And it's true. I mean, he's a physical player. He can get inside. He can get to the cup. And he's got a nice outside jump shot. This opens it up for Giannis. It'll open it up for a, a lot of the shooters that they have. When you look at Chris Middleton, who could score, Wesley Matthews, he can shoot the ball pretty well. Um, you know, you got uh, Ilazova coming off the bench, George Hill, the pros, pros, and, uh, you know, Pat Covington, who I like a lot. So, you know, with Giannis, you know, of course he's playing incredible. You know, the question is, will he be able to knock down some jump shots? Is he going to have the ability to have that one-two punch he's really going to need a guy like Eric Bledsoe you know to play and play well if they are to excel if they are to move forward and so you know that's that's kind of my take on Milwaukee I'm not shocked that they're number one right now in the east um you know I expect that but my question is for them will they turn the corner you know when it comes to playoff time I mean they're setting themselves up 
well right now, obviously with the home court advantage. Um, you know, and looking at the AFC, we'll get to that. I think they could take care of business. The one team that surprised me here in the East right now has got to be the Miami Heat. I knew Jimmy Butler was going to be a factor, right? And I knew that, um, you know, Coach Spoltra, I know he can, he can, he can definitely coach a team. For sure, he can coach a team, you know, and definitely a championship team. I didn't know that, you know, they were going to get such outstanding play, you know, from the other pieces. You know, I look at, um, you know, I look at Bam Abayo here. You know, I knew that when they traded Hashim Whiteside, he was going to have to step up. And to me, I think he stepped up so much. He even plays a lot better than what he was when he played for Kentucky. You know, I, I love the, the bounce he has, the energy he plays with. Um, incredible, incredible. I think they got a steal in free agency when they got uh, Myers Leonard over from Portland. Um, you know, he was just waiting to get some minutes. Uh, shoots the three ball pretty well. Good floor spacer, everything like that. And this kid, Duncan Robinson from Michigan, he can absolutely light it up. He's been terrific. And then also, too, um, you know, they still have, well, they have Tyler Hero, who's been essentially, he's been a steal. You know, he's been an absolute steal from Kentucky. As a rookie, you know, as a rook, you think that rookies will come in, they'll be okay. You know, at least they'll take a year to learn and everything like that. Tyler Hero's been outstanding. You know, he's really been a great field general out there, makes timely shots, no fear. Uh, he's been excellent, very, very excellent. And then <clears throat> lastly, you know, when I look at the the one other piece that they had that to me has been outstanding is, is, is Kendrick Nunn. I mean, Kendrick Nunn was a free agent that was just picked up, and this guy has played incredible. I mean, here's a guy... You know, pretty much you look over his last, what is it, nine games or so, and he's averaging 19 points a game. So an undrafted rookie coming into this this organization has really made a huge, huge benefit to the Miami Heat. And I, I, I like their chances. I do like their chances, but I think their problem is they're going to run into a situation where... <clears throat> As the playoffs slow down and as, you know, the three-point shot maybe becomes a little bit more difficult to score in a playoff series, they're going to need somebody to be able to to bang inside. And so that's the one thing that I would be worried about with Miami. You know, this is a young group. They've never really been there. And I think experience is definitely going to play a factor in the playoffs so curious to see what happens to them once they do get to the playoffs right now they're in great shape I look at three through five here doesn't shock me with the Toronto Raptors you know I know the Toronto Raptors have played well regardless of who's been there um you know last year it was Kawhi the year before was DeMar DeRozan as long as you have a guy like Cal Larry you have Siakam you know, you have um, you have Casol. You know, you have <coughs> excuse me. You have Casol. You have Siakam, 
and then you also too you have a guy like um you know you have a guy like a patrick mccall who's been on the gold state warriors before um you know fred van fleet terrific at making big shots here um and then you know you also have serge abaca as well you know he's experienced now an nba champion played with the thunder as well so they have a solid roster they have a solid roster that's been there and that's won and to me i think it's just going to come down to if cal larry plays the way cal larry plays throughout the season that's been the problem for them you know i think he got a pass last year because Kawhi was there and he was able to bail them out this year there is no Kawhi. yes there is Siakam, but he's going to have to play big in order for them to kind of turn the corner, you know, in my opinion, really. And so when I skip down the list here, one of the most intriguing teams is the Pacers. Now, I know right now they're sitting here at five. I've always loved Malcolm Brockham. I love how he plays and everything like that. The key for me is what is going to happen with, you know, Victor Oladipo. If Victor Oladipo can get back to the, 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 the playoff form that he had, you know, and I know he's looking to make his season debut here on the 29th. If he's able to be the Victor Oladipo that he was before he tore up the knee, this club could be in a situation where they're going to meet they're going to really get a leap as they get ready to go to the second half of the year you know I I like their roster as it is it's young it is experienced I like Sabonis Um, I like how he plays and everything like that you know and it's just going to be hinge on Victor Oladipo if Victor Oladipo can play the way that he has played before you know I really think that this roster is going to be fine. I think that they're going to make a deep run here um, in the second half. And when I look at the bottom of the East, the most surprising to me is probably the Brooklyn Nets. And when I look at the Brooklyn Nets and I think of what they have done, okay, I think when you look at what Brooklyn has done, they may have... I, I, I want to say that they, they may have gone all in and it may not have been the right decision. Now, I know they still don't have Kevin Durant. I know he's still a year off from coming back. But when I look at Kyrie and I look at the things that are happening to him, you know, whether it's the shoulders or, you know, the, the knee, those have been two things that have kind of kind of slowed down Kyrie if he's not out there yes I like Spencer Dinwiddie yes I like Jared Allen you know yes I like um, DeAndre Jordan and Chris LeVert and guys like that but they're contingent on guys cooking around them and this roster was designed for that explosive play from Kevin and from Kyrie and so not only is Kyrie injured but Kyrie is also having chemistry issues already and so when I look at that I say to myself well 
this Nets team looks to be a team that might be in trouble. It might be in trouble for the long haul. And so I don't even know if they make the playoffs this year, but I'm just saying I think they might be in trouble for the long haul. I really do. Not just this year, but long term. So that's one thing I would say that if I'm a Brooklyn fan, mm, you might want to worry about that. The 76ers and Orlando Magic, Orlando's a scrappy club. It doesn't surprise me that they're still in it. You know, with Aaron Gordon, um, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's they're an okay team. I don't expect them to go far. And really the most disappointing team is the 76ers. I've always said that if Joel Embiid stays healthy, they'll be okay. And then Ben Simmons is going to have to show up. You know, they went ahead and they they pretty much got their roster in two because they let they made a big trade for Jimmy Butler. They didn't win it with him. They lost the pieces that they traded. And then they also lost Jimmy Butler. So to me, this is going to be a tough situation for Philly because I think Elton Brand's going to have to have to make a decision here. And he might have to blow it up. You know, if Philly doesn't do anything this year, I think he's going to probably have to look to make some major changes here. And so with that being said, I know we only have about a minute left here in the show. And we went over the Eastern Conference. I think next week we're going to go over the Western Conference and then we'll transition to Super Bowl weekend. So with that being said, you know, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. I want to thank all our listeners and our supporters out there. And we will see you next time on Real Talk Sports with Rico. Take care.